The Zamzo's Garden Show is sponsored by Zamzo's. The views, opinions, and advice offered by the show's hosts do not necessarily reflect those of KBOI or its parent company, Cumulus Media. KBOI makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information expressed and shall not be responsible or liable for any claims arising out of the use of or reliance upon any such information. What kind of seeds are you sowing? Why is it so green where you're from? It must be Zamzo's growing in your yard, garden, or barn. You've done it right, you see it. Got the help that you needed. Zamzo's really makes you want to come home. I'm coming home. Cause nobody knows. Like Zamzo's. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. To be a part of the show, call now, 1-800-529-KBOI or 336-3700. It's the Nobody Knows Like Zamzo's Garden Show on the Big 670 KBOI. Good morning, and thanks for joining us at the Zamzo's show this morning. This is a pre-recorded show, so if you have questions or or, uh, or comments, you can email them to us at zamzos.com or, or contact us on Facebook. But in the meantime, this is a really special show today, and I'm joined by two of my most favorite people in the whole world. Let me begin by introducing my dad, Jim Zamzo. Good morning, son. And my son, August Zamzo. Morning, Dad. And uh, uh, somewhat appropriately, today's show is a Father's Day show, uh, and we're talking about garden stories from my dad. And my dad. And my dad. And so this is kind of fun. We all are going to be able to go back and forth and and talk about all different kinds of things. Uh, But I think to begin, uh, it's appropriate probably that dad starts that that grandpa starts we'll we'll just to clarify and and uh dad i what i want to know is what do you think it was that that got you into gardening at the very beginning well when i was a little boy uh i got my hands on some beans and i think it might have had something to do with jack and the beanstalk to know the (laughs) truth but i decided i was going to go out and plant some beans in my dad's newly tilled and leveled garden and you know, Dad always had everything perfectly rectangular, and the rows were always even, and and everything. Well, I didn't know about that, so I just got his hoe, and went out in his freshly tilled ground, and I just pulled a furrow, about twenty feet diagonally across his ordinarily rectangular garden, and planted the beans. And by some act of fate. Uh, the beans all came up, and they did. They really did well. And Dad, respecting me as a as a kid interested in gardening, had to change his entire garden layout. So we had little little short rows and big long ones on the other side. And but but that row of beans grew clear up until he harvested them about mid season. Uh, but I always think that if he had discouraged me by changing that he might have discouraged my interest in in gardening but because they grew so well when i first planted them i was just intrigued and have been ever since well you know i i got a chance to live with with grandfather after when i had come back from college and and uh, after grandma helen had passed away 
uh, and and I remember, you know, we got to have a lot of dinners together, and of course, he, you know, he fed me right out of the garden, uh, and and I always noticed that he would cut cucumbers up for me, and he would never cut cucumbers up for himself, and uh, and I and one time I said, Grandpa, why do you grow every year grow cucumbers if you don't even like to eat cucumbers? And uh, and his response was because all of you guys like to eat cucumbers, right? And and you know think about we, we, I think in this age everybody grows in the garden what they want. Yeah. We don't really think about well I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the effort to plant something and fertilize it and tend it and harvest it for everybody else. And it was a real selfless way. Well, and and you know that's how we earned a living. Dad would plant like fifty foot row. And we kids would go out every morning and pick the cucumbers. We had a little radio wagon. I'd load that baby up with cucumbers and go up and down the road and sell cucumbers for a nickel apiece. <laughs> and anything that we had left over, I took over to the fruit and vegetable market, which is right there at the corner of Liberty and Fairview, uh, close to our store now. And then that guy would buy all the rest of them from me. There was a fruit and vegetable market there. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I it was never called Idaho that. Fruit and Vegetable. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's something else. Right there where that Flying Pie Pizza Company is now. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, so uh, when 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 I think about the stories of, of you guys out there in the garden, it, it, Grandpa always had you out there pulling weeds and all the rest of that. Yep. How, how old were you when you were out there working in the garden? Oh, my gosh. Uh, we started pulling weeds. We had to be four or five years old. When I can remember really getting into trouble because... He, Dad would plant a row of lettuce, and then he would harvest from that, and then when it would bolt, go to seed, then he would have us pull it out. Well, he had a fresh row of new lettuce, and then the, 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 the row that was bolted. And at that time, I learned my lesson that day, but I didn't know the difference. So Dad said, so James, you pull up all of this lettuce and put it in a pile right here so I can put it in the compost pile. Well, I said, I thought it was strange, but I pointed at the new lettuce, and I said, this lettuce, Dad? And he said, yes, that lettuce, assuming I knew which lettuce was correct. So I pulled out all the new lettuce, and that didn't turn out too well, but anyway. <laughs> well, you also, Dad, you, you also had uh, grandparents that were gardeners, and and I remember and I don't remember the details. I'm looking forward to having you tell me the details. But you you one time mentioned that your your grandmother, which is Grandma Z, Great Grandma Carmelita, that started our company. Uh, she used to kind of have a a unique fertilizer program in, in that she was just a, an avid composter, sort of in an old school. You know, before we really understood what composting was. And, and tell us a little about about what you used to watch her do. Well, there's two things. Number one, she had a compost pile. She dug a hole a couple of feet deep behind the shed, and she threw everything in there. But during the growing season, if her, she would take her coffee grounds, her tea bags, anything from the garden, and she would spread it liberally around the tomato plants and, and other plants that were out there. Dad did the same thing. You mean like uh, like the the end of the lettuce that you don't eat, all that stuff? She would go take it out there. They just put them, just put it around the crop, and then you know sprinkle the the coffee grounds around the tomatoes and and so on. And, and I, then they I, would decompose during the season. What I love about that, uh, you know, she she knew 
she I don't know that she was clear about whether it would help or not, but she knew it wouldn't hurt and that well, it would probably help. Actually, she did know it would help and she you know, she she came from the 40-acre farm uh, over there on Franklin Road and Coal Road in Boise and they they used all of their manure, they used everything as a byproduct of the livestock they had that they put on their crops and on their gardens. So they always composted, and they never used a lick of chemical fertilizer. They they wouldn't do it. Right. What about the? You, I think you told me one time she'd buried cans and stuff. What was she doing well, with that? One time I was walking through her garden when she when they had the place over on Fairview, and she put lids from her tin cans out there. I said, Grandma, why why would you put those out there? And she, I always smile about this. She said, Well, uh, honey, I always figured that a that a garden needed iron, so that's why I put them out there. And, of course, iron to her meant minerals. Right. Uh, uh, whether it was anything in a tin can that was any good for them or not, I don't. I have yet to figure that out. <laughs> but a lot of people my age, we really want to look to how we can change the waste problem. We yeah. waste so much, and in the olden days, you just put it to use. Well, there's one factor there that enters in, and and we're learning this more and more right now, and that is... When you put metal around a plant, it performs better than wood. So if I put a metal tomato frame around a tomato and a wood one around the next one, the, the metal one will grow twice as much. Right. Wow. Right. And I, my old neighbor used to put uh, baling wire around and around in a circle of roots under his tomato plants. And I have to say... I don't know if it had any bearing on it, but he had awful good tomatoes. Right, right. It's really kind of an interesting concept. Of course, we uh, now most tomato frames are are metal uh, that that you, that are readily available, but they're either galvanized so that they won't break down, or they're painted, you know, powder coated, something right. like that. So you so you you got a nicer looking frame, but but less maybe uh, uh, one that's exchanging ions or whatever it is i think i don't think it's uh, the matter of the decomposing of the metal as a nutrient as much as it is picking up low frequency uh we're learning a lot a lot about these ultra low frequencies and how that energizes a plant and there's more of that to come and actually there's science that's that's proving that now right well i mean i i I think to, to August's point, some of this stuff, you know, you, it, it's fascinating when you say, okay, I'm trying to solve a problem that's a current problem, and maybe the, the old ways uh, were, were really a smart way of doing that. So uh, we're, we're talking garden stories from my dad at the, in the Zamzo's Garden Show this morning in a pre-recorded show. Uh, this is just the first segment with three more to go, so stay with us. You're listening to News Talk KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and if you remember the kids' song, The Ants Go Marching, they start out one by one, but are soon marching ten by ten. Well, if you're seeing ants inside or outside your home, it won't be long before you're seeing thousands of them. Well, not to worry, because if you have ants, Samzo's can help with multiple solutions that will stop ants in their tracks, plus set up a barrier that continues to stop them for months. Our most popular solution is Samzo's Home Pest Control. It's a colorless, odorless liquid that dries quickly and is safe to use around people or pets. 
Zamzo's also carries an effective liquid ant bait that's easy to apply. The worker ants take the bait and carry it back to the nest where they deliver it to every ant in the colony. Zamzo's also carries a full line of sprays, dust, and granules. So if you have ants and are antsy to get rid of them, don't call an exterminator for $80 who may be weeks out. Come to Zamzo's and pick the solution that's best for you. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. News Talk, KBOI. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm August Zamzo, and I'm here with my dad, Joss, and my grandpa, Jim. And uh, we're here telling some garden stories today on a pre-recorded message for Father's Day. So, um, Grandpa, we were talking about recycling, and over the break you told kind of a funny story that you had about maybe why it's not always the best to do. I was hoping you could tell the listeners about it. (laughs) Well, I I think it's no secret that your your grandpa, not not your grandpa, Joss's grandpa, my dad, <laughs> uh, was a dumpster diver, and the reason he was a dumpster diver is because he was a child of the Great Depression, and and he just couldn't tolerate anything to be waste, wasted. Uh, one day, in fact, this is funny. He I, I went over and he was working in his garden, and he had on a pair of white nurse's shoes. And I said, Dad, where, where'd you get those shoes? And he said, can you believe people will throw stuff like this away? <laughs> <laughs> so he had on a woman's uh, white nursing shoes that he was working in his garden that he'd, he'd gotten out of the dipsy, dipsy dumpster. But the, uh, the reason that he did that was obvious. Well, one, one summer his tomatoes started really doing poorly, and ultimately they died. And I, as an investigator of the soil, tried and tried to figure out what possibly could have happened. What kind of disease must we have? I said, Dad, what have you done different? Nothing, nothing. I just put everything like I usually do. And I said, Dad, you've done something different here. There's there's something going on with these tomatoes, and I can't figure out what it is. I said, what did you put on them? And he said, well, he said, I... I was over at the store, and they they had swept up a bunch of fertilizer and threw it in the dipsy dumpster, and I thought, well, I'll just dig it out and go put it on my garden. <laughs> and so I went over, and I talked to Ken Kirkbride at the time, who was the manager of that store, and I said, Ken, what do you suppose that was? And he said, well, you know, when we have broken bags of fertilizer, uh, we don't want to put them back in the bag, so we have to dispose of them. And he said, oftentimes, there's weed and feed in there well everybody knows that weed and feed has 2,4-D which is deadly to tomatoes so I said dad it's one thing for you to be conservative and say things but don't do stuff like that right Right. the weed killer is not the secret formula (laughs) it's not (laughs) well speaking of tomatoes dad I uh, one of my favorite stories that you tell is is how you came about the the product that we call tomato boom uh, and 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 so tell us tell us the tomato boom story. Okay, well uh, I met a fellow from the deep south. I think it was Alabama, who had the Guinness World Records for the tallest tomato. And uh, so I I just asked him about it. How did you do that? And so he told me how he did things down in south. They use kudzu, which is a fast growing thing and I learned that since then that actually alfalfa does a lot of similar things and so he taught me what he knew and then I knew what my dad and my my grandmother knew about tomatoes and what I had learned and I put it all together I put everything that I knew about tomatoes 
in this hole and I tried to grow the, the tallest tomato that's ever been grown and then the most yielding in the the north latitudes I knew I could never compete with the deep south because they've got two months growing season on us right. but uh, his name was Wilbur and he, Wilbur coached me through it and, and we built this thing and I grew that's when I grew that 17 foot uh, tomato actually it was a 17 foot frame so it grew it out the top and down the sides right. Uh, but it wasn't just 17 feet. It had hundreds of pounds had, of fruit. Well, too. It, had, it had 200 pounds of fruit on it when it froze. So right. that's just what was right. left on. Right. Uh, well, anyway. We got pictures of that tomato. The statesman. The, yeah. The, the statesman came out and took pictures of it, and, and they actually did an article on it. Well, our customers started calling saying, hey, that's fun. We would like to try that. Many people call. So Ken, our manager at the Fairview store at the time, came in and said, Jim, what people want to know what you did. So I got out a sheet of paper and I wrote a formula for all the things that I did. There's about a dozen ingredients, as you right. know, that go into that. And then I taught him how, how to do the frame and so on and so forth. Well, ultimately, when you do a formula like that, a person has to go buy five pounds of this and 10 pounds of that and 50 pounds of that. And the, the, the comment was well i've only got six tomatoes right uh why don't you you've got a feed mill why don't you just blend this all together and sell me enough for six tomatoes and, and so that's what we did so it's a pretty simple thing it's not right. that we there's any great secret except that we know all the things that grow healthy tomatoes and we put it all in a package for our customers well except for there is one secret that a lot of people don't know which is that mushroom extract that, that you use you use it in a couple of different products but it's in that one particular and and uh, and we call that product ccf or concentrated compost factor but it's really uh, a mushroom extract tell us a little bit about yeah. that well you know i i always learned to grow plants but i didn't know how to grow mushrooms so when I was on Maui one winter for a couple of months, I found a, a doctor that grew mushrooms, and I asked him to teach me. And he said, well, I don't grow mushrooms much anymore because now I'm working for the University of Hawaii on something that will get rid of nematodes in the Kona coffee plants. But he said, mysteriously, we found out that it's got a great growth stimulator in it. So I said, will you teach me? And he said, you know, I can't. It's proprietary, and I won't do it. So for 12 years, <laughs> I went over, uh, and I worked with him. I painted his lab. I, I, I swept the floor. I helped him cook down some of the materials that they made, which was actually an extract from the mycelium of a specific mushroom that grows on, on trees over there. And finally... One year, he called me, and he said, Jim, are you coming to Maui this year? And I said, yes. And he said, please bring your recorder and, and your pencil and paper when you come to visit me. I said, why? And he said, because I'm going to teach you everything I know about, about concentrated compost factor. And I said, Brian, why? And he said, after 12, I said, after 12 years. Right. I mean, I've asked you everything. You won't tell me. He said, well, I'm going to die. And, and I, I want to make sure that someone knows how to do this when I pass because he was diabetic and he was on dialysis at that time. Uh, so gratefully, he taught me everything there was to know about that. And that, of course, is a secret thing. But 
Not not yeah. anymore, I have to tell you. <laughs> you you well, just gave the secret of 50,000-watt KBOI. Well, the truth of the matter is is you don't know the variety. But, but, you know, when it boils down to it, when we come, when it comes to fermenting, when it comes to dealing with the biologicals, that's the secret to a healthy soil. Right. So that's just one of the, of the bullet points. So I'm glad to teach people that. We want people to learn to grow better plants and have a better soil. Well, if you're just joining us, we're, we're talking about garden stories from my dad and, uh, and all of our dads in a kind of a Father's Day-themed gardening pre-recorded Zamzo's Garden Show. Uh, and and uh, and I, I think that's one of the fun parts about that that tomato boom is there's way more to it than people think. I mean, it, that the, the alfalfa creates some extra growth and, and other things. And, and we pretty typically on a Saturday have people come in with a cart and they're and they're grabbing four or five boxes of ingredients that each one of them is 10 or 12 dollars a piece. And they're trying to create a, a magical formula they've read about online and uh, and they don't even realize that we've got one built for our area right. uh, that's sitting right there, and for a fraction of the cost, it's all in that one product. Right. Well, actually, it's uh, it's gaining reputation nationwide. Yeah. We're shipping a lot of that product all over the country. Right. Right. Well, so so uh, you have subsequently tried to grow several uh, tomatoes that matched that size uh, various times. That you've had one that you named Ruby. Right. Uh, are you going to grow one this year, you think? I am. This year I'm growing a Better Boy, which is a burpee hybrid. It's a it's an indeterminate, so it'll continue to grow. Right. Uh, but I'm looking forward to bigger tomatoes rather than picking thousands of to- <laughs> cherry <Right>. tomatoes. <laughs> that wore me out. I had to pick a bushel every day. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, I guess those are good problems to have, right? Uh, right. Those of us that love tomatoes, especially August. I, uh, I could tell a few stories about August eating tomatoes before he could hardly walk. But, uh, but in the meantime, it's time for another break. Uh, you're listening to the Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Callie Zamzo, and you might be wondering why I'm buzzing on this ad. Well, during June, Zamzo's is celebrating all the ways we can be kind to bees. You know, many people think that all black and yellow striped bugs are bees. In fact, honeybees are not the same as wasps and hornets. Honeybees are docile and intelligent, but most importantly, vital workers in our food supply, which is why Zamzo's wants everyone to be kind to bees by planting pollinator plants, providing a safe water source, using pesticides properly, and supporting our local beekeepers. During our Be Kind to Bees promotion, Zamzo's will give you a free 8-ounce bottle of local Ahos honey with the purchase of three 1-gallon or larger pollinator plants. Or when you purchase any pulverized, deplete, or animal repellent from Messina. Limit one per household while supplies last. We know that becoming more aware of bees doesn't happen overnight. But Zamzo's hopes that by having a better understanding of honeybees, we can all benefit. Well, gotta go. It's time for me to buzz off. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Hello and welcome back to the Zamzo's Garden Show, our special Father's Day pre-recorded Zamzo show. I'm August Samzo. I'm here with my dad, Joss Samzo, and my grandpa, Jim Zamzo. And uh, we're all gathered around in a little room telling some garden stories. And uh, dad, 
One one story, I'm, I was a little too young at the time to be fully aware of it, but I've heard you tell it, and I think it would be fun to hear you tell it again. Um, story of a, of a gal whose roses you managed to change color. <laughs> um, I believe they went from pink to peach. Yeah. And- you know, honestly, I don't remember which way it went, but but I guess the the way this story goes, the we were relatively new. We were in the first year of the product that we used to call Save a Tree, we now call Thrive, uh, that Dad had brought over, and so we were all learning a lot about it. And this customer came in, and I was the acting manager. I think I was the third key or something to that effect. But it was a Sunday, and I was running the show. She came in hot. She was mad. And so everybody kind of scattered, and I went up to help her, and and she started in on me. You know, you you sold me this save a tree, uh, and and you told me that it would be good for my roses, and I followed all your directions, and you turned my favorite pink roses, my favorite my favorite in the whole garden. You turned them peach colored. You've ruined them for the season, in effect. And, uh, and, and, you know, you didn't tell me about any of that. And I, of course, apologized and, and I offered to give her money back. And all I could explain to her was, you know, that I, I knew from, from, from other things that uh, aluminum sulfate, when applied to a white hydrangea, would turn the hydrangea blue. And so I said, ma'am, the only thing I can think is there's a lot of minerals in the Save a Tree product and that some of those minerals must have tweaked your pink rose to turn it peach and I'm really sorry about that I I didn't know and then she of course you know I don't know how Jim Zamzo could uh, you know introduce a product without properly researching the impact it could have and and so I apologized and gave her money back and she stomped off it wasn't good enough but she was mad so a few hours later you know I was uh, back back and, and here she came again and and we had just gotten those radios where we had a headset on and over the radio set came joss she's back uh and she wants to talk to you again so here i come up to the to the register and she's got this great big leather it looked like a notebook but it was stuffed so full of stuff that it would barely close with a big rubber band on it and she undoes the rubber band and she and you know lays it out on the counter and starts flipping through well it turns out this is her gardening log this is her the, everything that she planted. You know, she planted peonies. You know, in May she she put everything, and then she would tape the tag into her book. And and you know, I I here I am thinking to myself, ma'am, I already gave you your money back. I apologized. I don't know what happened. You know, I, what do you want? And she said, I just want to show you. And she's flipping open, and she f- turns the book to face me, and and taps on the tag and says, Do you see this? And and then I look down, up. Uh, and, and she says, I realized, I went back to my gardening log, I realized that this was supposed to be a peach-colored rose. The tag says it's a peach-colored rose, but she said, my hand on the Bible, it's always been pink. And the save-a-tree didn't ruin my rose, it actually fixed it. It turned it the color it was supposed to be, and I'm really sorry, and I'd like to buy that half-used jug of save-a-tree back. And and uh, and it was just one of those really happy, you know, endings that that worked out really well. And and the, my favorite part about it was she was a loyal customer, uh, and and any time she came into the store and I was helping somebody over on the chemical wall, she would walk over and interrupt, 
and she'd say, "You be nice to this young man," and she would go on and on and on, and and you know, and and, and one time, and she would tell the whole story all over again. And it was a really kind of a fun deal, but but uh, one of those stories that I remember saying to myself, "Yeah, Dad." <laughs> How come you don't research these things? I'm the one that's getting my my tail chewed out here. But it turned out to be that we we were uh, we were giving the the rose all of the minerals that it needed to fulfill its genetic potential. Exactly. And uh, and I think in our high pH desert soil, a lot of the minerals that would allow plants to reach their potential, they might be there, but they're tied up. And and so uh, you know as soil progresses or if you use products like thrive uh you're, you're going to just see that plants do what they're supposed to do right so uh you dad of course were experimenting all the time uh, this this uh that product that was save a tree was not new you you did all kinds of things and i remember i i was pretty young uh but but i remember one time we took our boat over to lake lowell uh, from Boise, and and you had a, a a bow and arrow, and the arrow had a string on it, and and you were fishing with this bow, and you were shooting those great big carp over there, and but you didn't shoot them and throw them. You actually put them in a bag, and we took them home, and then you used them in the garden. But I don't remember the details and what what actually happened with that. What were you doing with well, that? Well, I had read a story that Native Americans, the way they grew their corn and you know, their triple crop that they did, was they would put a fish underneath every one of them, and as the fish decomposed, it would feed the plant. So uh, the only place I knew to get fish were those carp. Uh, You know, unfortunately, some of them were 15 pounds instead of like the one-pounder that the Indians did. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you got every dog in the neighborhood out there digging in your garden trying to... (laughs) But uh, it it did work. Uh, We buried them down pretty deep, and, you know, it was kind of messy and hard to do. But but we learned that fish meal, of course, is a very good nutrient. Uh, We've since then has learned that we can do that easier... uh, and be more resourceful without having to kill fish. So, right, yeah, right. Probably in a way that smells better, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you don't have the dogs and cats digging up your, your garden, either. Right, right. Well, that wasn't the only time that you did something strange out there. And I, I remember one time you got a full load of lava rock, red lava rock, and we actually took a segment out of the fence, and they backed in and dumped a great big pile of lava rock, and then... You spread it all around and tilled it all up, and you put lava rock in the garden. What was the story with that? Yeah, well, you know, uh, plants feed with an energy flow, like everything. Everything everything biological has an energy component to it. And the soil has what we call a dimagnetic, which is the positive charge, and a paramagnetic charge, which is the negative. The dimagnetic is more of a uh, calcium clay base that we have in our soils, The paramagnetism comes from like the lava rock, ground granite powder, all of those types of things. So when you put them together, you actually have a battery in your soil that flows. Right. So I was, because I thought my soil was dimagnetic, I put on the paramagnetic lava rock uh, to get that energy flow. So it wasn't for drainage or anything else like that? Well, you know, it it always helps uh, to to have something a little bit coarse. That was like quarter inch minus, you know, so... Uh, that opens the soil somewhat. 
So we're we're talking garden stories with my dad here in the Zamzo's Garden Show, and and August Zamzo, my son, and myself. I'm Josh Zamzo, and Jim Zamzo, my dad, and and uh, and we're not taking any live questions. So you, if you have questions that you want us to follow up on, you can always uh, send them to us on Facebook or at Zamzos.com, and we can get back to you. Uh, and and the 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 theme is just gardening with my dad, stories of my dad, and all of those types of things. That you you dad also had raised beds for a while, and 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 you didn't have raised beds for a while. And uh, one time you put uh, copper pipe all the way through the garden and created some kind of a soil heating system or something. Yeah. I I can't remember what were you doing with that. Well. I figured we could get our earlier tomatoes if we heated the soil. Right. So I, uh, you know, your your grandpa, your mother's dad, yeah. taught me how to to sweat copper pipe. So I just ran a zigzag of copper pipe all through the the garden. Then I hooked it to a water heater and I I piped hot water through <laughs> through the soil to heat the ground. Well, my only guess is that that since you don't do that now, that turned out to maybe not be as effective or or. You know, it was very effective, but but not economically practical, really, right. to do. So now I use Walla Waters or sure or whatever. If once you get the biology and your soil working, your soil warms up quicker in the spring, anyway. Right, right. So you're we're we're talking story garden stories with with our dads, and uh, and you're listening to the Zamzos Garden Show. We'll be right back with you after this break on News Talk KVOI. The Zamzo's Garden Show will be back right here on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Zamzo, and believe it or not, it's the third week of June. But it's not too late to sign up for the Zamzo's Lawn Program and at a prorated price. In fact, a 2,500-square-foot program now starts at just $121.99, and that's for four more steps, including two applications of Zamzo's Biologically Correct Lawn Food, Humagreen this summer, and Zamzo's Recharger in the fall. Plus, when you sign up for the Zamzo's Lawn Program, we store the product for you, send you an email or text reminder when it's time for each step, and even loan you a spreader to apply it with for free. And if you belong to the Zamzo's Lawn Program, you get 10% off any additional lawn and garden supplies and plants you buy at Zamzo's for the rest of the year. But don't wait. You're okay to miss step one, but applying step two is crucial. So come purchase your prorated Zamzo's Lawn Program now. 13 stores to serve you, including Chinden, which is Idaho's largest indoor greenhouse. Nobody knows like Zamzo's. We are News Talk KBOI. Howdy. Welcome back to the Zamzo's Garden Show. I'm August Samzo, and I'm here with my dad, Josh Samzo, and my grandpa, Jim Zamzo. And uh, we're all just sitting in a little room here talking some garden stories for Father's Day. And, um, Dad, I you recently gave me your old tomato cages, which is good because uh, I'm trying to grow an eight-foot tomato this year. Right. That doesn't scratch grandpa's, but um, I'm trying. And um, I was kind of curious because you and grandpa make... You make your own tomato cages, and I'd love to learn some more about that. I bet our listeners would, too. Right. Well, I think it's kind of funny that uh, when you take our worn-out tomato cages, they still are, are better cages than you can buy. Yeah. <laughs> right? But but I think that's a, this is a result of, you know, if you're, if you're trying to grow good, you know, indeterminate tomatoes that, that have got a lot of fruit on them, they, they require more than, you know, the, the, the tomato cages you buy, I think of more as like peony 
you know, frames right. uh, than tomato cages. But but what 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 we do is uh, we buy six by six. Uh, it, this is concrete reinforcing wire, and it comes in panels that are twenty feet long. Uh, and the holes are six by six, but it's a much heavier gauge than you typically see. And 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 you cut it into chunks and then roll it up. Uh, but but what we what we did this year that's different from from in years past is we saw an even slightly heavier gauge than we normally buy, and and we got ourselves in a little bit over our heads. Uh, <laughs> kind of hard to bend, right? They they if you get too thick, then you can't bend them. But the the beauty is you can make a tomato frame that you know is ten feet tall. So even if you're burying it six feet in the ground, or I mean six inches in the ground or, or a foot, you're still going to have a nine foot tall with, with really good diameter that will handle a lot of fruit. And I think this, this latest batch with this really heavy gauge, uh, those ones we won't have to rebuild. They're going to last a very long time. And you know what happened to me last year, as my frames got a little bit older and a little weaker, they get so heavy with fruit that they, they literally collapse. Yeah, they, yeah. Even if you guy wire them, they vertically they'll actually crush those bottom six inch, two or three of them together, so your tomato frame shrinks, and then it ruins <laughs> them anyway. Right. And and that's what people can expect once they get their soil right. They're going to get a lot of tomatoes. Right. The, the tomatoes grow hard and they grow fast, and if they've got the the, the you know if they allow a. a a frame that will support them then you can keep them from laying over on the ground you know they come out of the top of those little frames and then they continue to grow they lay over and then they they end up on the ground and you a lot of wasted fruit and and one one good suggestion i think i have is we need to keep tucking those vines in yeah. uh if they just come out they'll just go right back down to the ground so as they grow we just kind of tuck them in tuck them in so they go vertical Right yeah, until we, you until you go to Cascade for the weekend and you come back and they <laughs> and they've already gotten out of control. That always happens to me. Yeah, uh, you you do your best to keep them tucked in until they can't anymore. So so Dad, uh, we don't sell them at the store anymore. But I I love the the story of Grandpa Bernie's famous radishes, and and I think it kind of you know opens people never think about seed saving or, or hybridizing themselves or anything like that i think it's kind of eye-opening would you tell us about grandma bernie grandpa bernie's radishes well dad always saved his own seed he always kept open pollinated varieties so that he, he could save his own seed he thought 10 cents a package was too much to be buying uh, <laughs> for seed. so uh of course he Dad was notorious for raising radishes almost all season long. Right. He'd harvest them in 21 days, and he would plant them again. Well, one day I was over there, and I saw that he had a pink one in the middle of all of his red ones. So I asked him if he would save that, let it go to seed, and mark it for me, which he did, save, save the seed. So for years, we re regrew that, and I called it Bernie Zamzo's radish seed. But they let, were they were they had a wonderful flavor and yeah they were terrific I'd, I'd like to but you know that's one of those things if you're a good gardener and you you can find these little strange things that happen in your garden sometimes it's worth saving them because right. they're a little mutation if you will I remember him showing me that that pile of of radish seed he would he would just clip them off and then dry them out right. and then in the spring he would put uh, just a uh, you know a pinch probably a tablespoon of radish seed in his hand and then his his 
he had so many calluses on his hands that it was like sandpaper and he would literally <laughs> just grind them together in his hand and and grind the seed together and off the calluses of hand it would basically clean the seed and then and then that was what he could go replant we just kept him in a little coffee can in there it was just his radish seed that he reseeded each year and it was real common to go out and and see that he'd have a little dish setting out on his patio with with seed in it in water and i'd say dad what what are you doing and he said well i'm going to get ready to plant that radish seed and i'm just soaking it yeah. so it's always good sometimes to soak seed, soak seed not too long uh, but, you know, the bigger the seed, the shorter the time you want to soak it. Beans and peas, up to four hours. You know, right. things like radish, you can soak overnight. Okay. And then they just germinate quicker. Oh, okay. So just kind of, it almost scarifies them. It just tells that seed is, there's moisture available, it's time to germinate. and Right. That's kind of interesting. I don't think I've done that. I don't have done that before. What, what about uh, the time that Grandpa uh, showed me you you take a match the head of a match and you throw it in a planting hole and you put your peppers on top of the yeah. match head that was something that he always did what, I, what... well i learned that from a, a friend dick raymond in vermont he's the guy that invented the troy belt rotor tiller right and uh, and he taught me when you plant a peppers you just take a book of matches and just tear off a half a dozen of them and throw them in the hole because that's uh red phosphorus and sulfur Okay. And peppers love that. So, of course, we've got that now in Pepper Popper and, and some of the products that we sell. But if you not don't have access to that, throwing a handful of matches in there right. is pretty good. Not too many, but, you know. And that's assuming they're still made that way, like so many things. August and I were talking last night about a customer who swore by Dawn dish soap as an insecticide and I and I and we were just talking about how Dawn dish soap is not Dawn dish soap of old it's now a detergent uh, now it's right. a now it's a chemical you know surfactant and and detergent and 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 that it's not really insecticidal soap anymore like people think and and it, you know you really you can make your own insecticidal soap but you really need to buy that old Fells naphtha yeah. Uh, that's that's in the bar and you grate it with a cheese grater and mix that with water and then you can make insecticidal soap the way that people used to make insecticidal soap and now if you use a wetting agent and detergent uh, in the form of uh, you know Dawn Platinum or something like that it really gets grease off pans but it will it will burn your plants really badly yeah. uh, you know not not uh, it's not the same when they say soap you know that's really not soap yeah. anymore yeah, you want soap yeah, right the old fashioned you know real soap is made with with lye and lard and ash or something right uh, yeah well that's where the the potassium comes from the lye uh grandma used to she would go out in their fire pit and and collect all the the ash out of the fire pit screen it and then she used that with the hog lard and made soap out of that and then they made that's how they made their hand soap that's what they washed with and that's what she smell like uh, hog fat I mean, your hands are clean, but they smell like lard. Well, you know, <laughs> smell like bacon. <laughs> yeah, you know, they actually they filtered out, so all the cracklings and the meats out of the lard. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> My new bacon flavored hand soap. <laughs> so, so, uh, what about lessons from your dad about finishing the job? Oh gosh, well, you know, before Dad would go to work in the morning, he would take Rick and I out, and he'd say, "Now, boys." I want you to either weed this row or I want you to irrigate or or I want you to clean the, the weeds along the fence row. 
and uh, and then when he'd come home from work, he would inspect us. But he would tell mom, he'd say, I don't want these boys to play until they get their work done. So this one time, of course, this happened a lot of times, but <laughs> this one time in particular, he said, boys, I want you to wait along this ditch bank or along this fence row. So we did. We did a good job. He came home that night. He said, did you get her done? We said, yes, Dad. He said, let's go inspect. So we walked out there, and he didn't say anything about the good job we did. There was one piece of grass that grew up along a post, and he said, what's that? <laughs> That's Grandpa Bernie. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, for tuning in today. Uh, Garden Stories with my dad, uh, and and uh, and we really enjoyed having you. This is a pre-recorded show, so uh, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook if you have questions. I, I, uh, I'd like to thank our producers, Art Gregory and Tara, who produced our show, and uh, you've been listening to the Zamzo's Garden Show on News Talk KBOI. Hi, this is Josh Samzo, and if you love tomatoes and peppers and want the freshest, best-tasting produce in town, why not grow your own? And Zamzo's is your tomato and pepper superstore with everything you need to do it right. For starters, we have starter plants for both tomatoes and peppers. And along with starter plants, Zamzo's has everything you need to grow great tomatoes and peppers, including tomato cages, fruit set spray, and cures for blossom end rot. Plus our amazing fertilizers, Tomato Boom and Zamzo's Pepper Popper. Use Zamzo's Tomato Boom at planting and throughout the season and have the biggest, juiciest, best-tasting tomatoes you've ever grown. And Zamzo's Pepper Popper will do the same thing for peppers. You know one of the best things about living in Idaho? is we grow great tomatoes and peppers. And at Zamzo's, we have 13 stores staffed with experts to help you do exactly that. So come see us, because for 90 years, when it comes to growing the best peppers and tomatoes, nobody knows like Zamzo's.